Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team, this morning so much. Thank you for bringing us into the presence of the Lord. Amen. Don't forget church tonight as well, 6 o'clock. Uh, we have Sunday night service. And we want to see you here on Sunday night. Amen. We have a great, we just have a great time. Boy, last Sunday night, I'm telling you, we, we just had a mighty, mighty time around here. Um, everybody got in the river, I think, uh, in the river of the Holy Ghost last um, Sunday night. So uh, come back tonight, 6 o'clock, and then Wednesday night, our midweek service on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Look forward to seeing everybody. Amen. Are you ready for the, some word today? Amen. Get into the Word of God. Well, get your Bibles out and open them to the Gospel of Mark, if you would. The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 9. Mark, chapter number 9. Praise God. I like to hear the turning of the pages. Don't hear as much of that anymore, you know. We have the scriptures on the screen and, and people have their Bibles now on phones and iPads and that type of thing. So, uh, But if you have a Bible, whatever form it's in, open it to Mark chapter 9. Praise God. How many is going to help me preach? I need some help this morning because I got... I'm going to have to talk this one out. I've got some, having some voice issues, so just say a prayer. Um, I say a prayer for me. Fine yesterday, yesterday afternoon, my throat started getting just a little scratchy. And, uh, you know, I guess it's that time of year again. I don't know. But uh, Mark chapter 9 and verse number 1. And Jesus said to them, Verily I say to you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. We're going to get into that in a moment, but that's very possible that there could be some in this congregation this morning that will not taste of death until we see the kingdom of God come with power and glory. Very possible. That's how close I believe we are to the coming of the Lord. Are you with me? Amen. Verse 2, And after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias or Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. I guess so. It's good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. He was just that, he didn't know what to say. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. 
And suddenly, when they had looked around about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. I want to talk to you this morning for a little bit about, on this thought, a glimpse of His glory, a glimpse of His glory. Father, thank You today for the Spirit of the Lord, presence of the Lord here and this morning, for the wonderful music and the, the, the worship today that has been so awesome for bringing us into the presence of the Lord. And I ask right now, Father, for Your help, for Your anointing to minister the Word to Your people. Give me the words You would have me to say. And God, open our hearts, open our ears. Let us hear and be receptive of, of, of what You, the Spirit of the Lord, has to say to Your church. In Jesus' name, we thank You for it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The disciples, if you've been here uh, on Sunday mornings the last couple of weeks, we've discussed some things that Jesus was saying to the disciples, what He had just said to them in chapter 8. And they're kindly reeling, kindly reeling from what Jesus had just told them in these previous verses in chapter 8 of Mark's Gospel. Because Jesus had revealed to them and had told them how that He was going to be betrayed and be rejected by the religious, um, the religious leaders of that day, how He was going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, and how He was going to be killed and He was going to die. But He also, in the midst of that revelation that He was given to them, He also offered them some hope with the assurance that He was going to rise again. He didn't just tell them that He was going to die and it was all going to be over, but He said, I'm going to die, but I am going to rise again on the third day. But you know, they just couldn't wrap their minds around this. They couldn't fathom what Jesus was trying to tell them. Because as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, um, their, their thought of their Messiah was going to be one who was going to come and He was going to overthrow Rome. He was going to set up His kingdom at Jerusalem and He was going to rule and reign. And these 12 guys were going to rule and reign with Him. And that was getting ready to take place. So when Jesus began to talk about dying, going to a cross, mentioning that, they couldn't hardly fathom that. They just couldn't wrap their minds around that at all. And so not only then, you know, then Jesus, after He tells them about His death and resurrection, He follows that up. We talked about this, I believe, last Sunday. But Jesus followed that up with a challenge that He gave them that they must take up their cross and follow Him. If they wanted to be His disciple, there was a cost that was involved to that discipleship. And you know, that same cost goes for us today. We've each one got to take up our cross daily and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, which that, as we said last week, that signifies a death to ourself, a death to the flesh, a death to our old life. And we take up the cross and receive the benefits that Jesus has provided and follow Him in a brand new life and walk in a brand new way. But there is a cost 
to being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more than just walking down to a shake a preacher's hand and just saying a prayer or repeating a prayer. I mean, there is, you know, if you repeat a prayer and say a prayer from your heart and believe it and mean it in your heart, you'll be born again. But it doesn't end there. There's taking up the cross after that. You come to the cross for salvation, but there's also daily taking up the cross for your sanctification and living a holy, godly life. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we talked about that, and, and Jesus tells them this, and this was, this was such a shocking conversation that Jesus was having with the, his disciples. But then in the midst of all this, after he tells them all of these things, that he's going to die, that they've got to take up a cross, that they're going to have to die as well, then he, he, he gives them also, though, a word of hope, and he softens the blow of his earlier words then by giving them a promise. And the promise that he gives them here is that his followers are going to enjoy his glory in the future. Now get that. He follows it up with the promise that if you are his disciple and if you take up your cross and if you follow him and if you die out to self, amen, that you are going to enjoy some glory in the future. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. Now, I think that we all can say today that uh, everyone in here could probably attest to the fact that we all have difficult seasons in our life. We all go through seasons where everything's going good, but then there are those seasons and those times that we go through in life where the struggles that we face seem so intense um, that even the very foundations of our faith sometimes are challenged. Has anybody ever been in that place? But it's in the times of uncertainty and we're living in a world of uncertainty. And it's when we're facing those times of uncertainty that Jesus does give us a word of assurance and a word of hope. And Jesus reveals the promise here in this this narrative about the transfiguration and what Jesus says to these disciples, he reveals the promise that his followers, his saints, are going to enjoy his glory and glory with him in the future. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, and I know that everyone here knows this, but we must be reminded of it, that we can't get too attached to this world because this world is not our home. This is not this is not where we're meant to stay but there's something that the Lord a place that God has prepared for us that love the Lord eye is not seen ear is not heard neither has it entered to the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him I'm telling you there's a great future ahead for every born again blood washed child of God can you give the Lord a praise I want to tell you this morning, there is a better world waiting for the people of God. There is a world. There is a life after this life. Aren't you glad to know that this life is not all? You know, Paul said that if in this life only we had hope, that we'd be of all men most miserable. But there is a world, there is a place, there is a home, there is an existence that's awaiting us on the other side, a place where there is no more sin, a place where there is no sickness, a place where there is no separation, 
a place where there is no Satan. Can I get an amen? See, so it's a place, it's a world where Jesus is glorified and a place where the saints of God will see their Redeemer in all of His glory. And I can't wait for that day when I see the Lord, hallelujah, in all of His glory, seated upon that throne. As the old song says, oh, I want to see Him. Look upon His face and there to sing forever of His saving grace. I'm looking forward to that day. Amen. How many of here are looking forward to that day? That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps us going because we know that this life and, and our, our life on this earth is only temporary. Amen. We've got something better ahead. Jesus even said to them, you know, when he was trying to encourage them before he went to the cross in John 14, and we all know those verses where Jesus said, you know, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. That is the promise we have from the Lord today. So in this ninth chapter of Mark, in this passage, it gives us a little bit of a glimpse of the glory that you and I are going to see one day in the future. Now notice the proclamation that Jesus makes here. In verse, um, in verse number 1, Jesus said to them, Verily I say to you, that there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Now, now this verse, this verse here has been uh, a verse that has been debated. It's a, a, a controversial, you know, people have said that it's kind of controversial. Because some people thought, they thought that, uh, and have thought, that Jesus made a mistake in what he said. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus never makes a mistake. Amen. The Lord, you know, they would say, well, you know, Jesus said that there's going to be some here that won't die, that in that group that he was talking to, that won't die until they see him come in his kingdom and in his power and in his glory. And so we know the Lord has not returned yet in his glory. Now there's some that believe he has and that, he's, that we're in the millennium. Let me tell you, saints of God, listen to me. Are, are, have you got your ears on? We are not in the millennium. Are you listening to me? I said, we're not in the millennium. That's yet to come. And uh, so his kingdom has not come yet in its literal form, but it will one day. But, but some people have thought, well, Jesus said that, that you know, he's going to set up his kingdom and there would be those that would see it that, would not, that were there that day and that would not die till they saw it. But he's not returned yet to earth. He's not established his kingdom. And all of those that were present that day when he said that have all died and are all gone. Is that right? They have all since died off. And so what we, what we, what we have to understand is that Jesus was, was not referring to coming and setting up His kingdom on earth, that there would be those there present that day that would see His literal kingdom set up. But Jesus was referring to His transfiguration that they were going, there was going to be some there that day that were going to go with Him 
to the mountain and see him transfigured and they would see a preview of his coming kingdom and his glory. Are you with me today? Jesus was saying to them there, he was saying to them, I'm going to give you a preview, a prophetic preview. Now I want you to get this. He's saying, I'm going to give some of you a prophetic preview of my coming in glory. And some of you that are here today, he was saying to them, are going to see that that representation and that preview of my glory. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the transfiguration was. The transfiguration here on Mount Hermon was a prophetic preview of the second coming of the Lord and of the rapture of the church as well. It's a prophetic, it's something here that that Jesus was showing them that was going to take place in the future. There was some uh, there that would see the kingdom of God and they would see the Lord Jesus Christ standing in his radiant, unhidden glory. It's a microcosm of the second coming, what we see here in the transfiguration of Jesus. Now notice what it says in verse number 2. It says, and after six days, Jesus takes with him Peter and James and John and leads them up into a high mountain apart by themselves and he was transfigured before them. After six days, there's something significant in that as we look at this in the um, light of it being prophetic and pointing to the coming of the Lord. It said that after six days, now we know that six is the number of man. And we know that there has been uh, approximately, they say, uh, around 6,000 years of recorded history since God created the heavens and the earth, restored the earth to its original state in Genesis chapter 1, verse, verse number 2, and uh, that we are in, um, in the, 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 the close proximity uh, and on the threshold of, a, of going into the 7,000th year of history. Now I want you to follow me this morning because that's significant. Why is that significant? And I think it's significant because the Bible says in 2 Peter 3 and 8 that we are not to be ignorant of one thing. And that is that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. So when it comes to time with the Lord, one day with the Lord is as a thousand years. So in 6,000 years of human history, I believe that we could say that we are uh, in the sixth day that we are about to come to the end of the sixth day and the seventh day being what? What is the seventh? Anybody know what the seventh day is? The seventh day was the Sabbath. In six days, God created and, and finished his work. And on the seventh day, he declared that a day of rest and God rested from his labors. So for 6,000 years, we have been uh, in, in, involved in human history from the fall 
of man all the way to where we are today. But there's coming a seventh day of rest in the very near future when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come and set up His kingdom upon the earth. Can I get an amen? I believe that. Now, I believe that we are in the very closing hours of this sixth day so to speak, that we're in the very closing hours of, of, of the church aid, age and of the dispensation of grace. We've been in this dispensation of grace now for the last 2,000 years, a little over 2,000 years, and uh, I believe that we're in the very closing hours of that. And as we all know, we are living in a dark, dark hour and a dark time. The, the hour is dark nationally and domestically. Our nation is going through some dark times. Internationally, this world is going through some dark times. We're living in a day that the Bible speaks of in the in this, in this very end time, in this very last day, we're living in a time when Paul prophesied, the Holy Spirit spoke in, uh, in the book of Timothy very expressly. And Paul said that in the last days, in the latter times, that some would depart from the faith and would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Can I tell you something today that we're living in that very time today? That the world is being seduced by Satan. The world is under a, a seduction by the enemy. And here's the problem with that. Well, you say, well, yeah, the, the world, we know the world's deceived and seduced, but the problem is that the seduction that we're seeing and the darkness that we're seeing in the world has began to creep and bleed over into the church as well. And, and Paul said that would happen in the last days, that there would be those who would depart from the faith, would depart from the true teachings of the Word of God and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And we see that happening today. We're in a dark hour. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. We are in the end times. If you can't see that, you need to get, God needs to, to shake you and wake you up. We're living in the times just prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and listen, God's spoken to my heart and, and told me and let me know that it's time to tell the church it's time to stop playing tiddlywinks and stop playing church and get in and get right with God and live for Jesus because I'm telling you what, there's a trumpet getting ready to sound and there's a rapture getting ready to take place and if you're not right, you're gonna be left. Can I get an amen? If you're not where you need to be with Jesus, you'll not hear that trump and you'll not make that rapture and you'll be left to go. You think it's bad and dark now. The times are even gonna get worse during the tribulation period after the trumpet sounds and the church is gone out of here. It's time for revival. We need a move of God. We need a stirring in our souls. Can I get an amen? It's dark today. It's a dark hour. I don't think it's ever been any darker. In, 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 uh, we've not lived in, in a, any darker time than it was since the days of Noah. And uh, Jesus even said that it would be, and I preached on that here not too long ago, 
on a Sunday night. But Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, that it would be that way when the Son of Man would come. But we see those days of Noah when, the, listen, the thoughts and the imagination of men's hearts is only evil continually. You turn on your TV and just watch what's going on in, the, in this nation. It's only evil and wickedness and ungodliness continually. Are you listening to me today? Let me, let me just tell you, listen, I, I, I'm, I don't want to get off my subject here. I don't want get, to get on a rabbit trail and get sidetracked. But listen, we need, we need to get, if there ever was a time that we need to get our kids in church and teach them the Word of God, and make sure they're in church every time the doors is open and get them in Sunday school because do you understand what they're being what they're being exposed to in this world today do you know what God created God created in the beginning he created them Jesus said male and female but do you know now now there's all kinds of genders one 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 gender is even you can even check now if you're fluid gender you know what fluid gender means it means that I'll just decide from day to day whether I'm a man or a woman. I'll just decide from day to day. One day I'll be a woman, one day I'll be a man. One day I'll, be, you know, do that. And, and the, the, you know, the, the day that we're living in is so dark when you've got parents that are, you know, they want, when a baby's born, they won't say, they won't say if it's a boy or a girl. They're going to say, we're going to wait and let them decide what they feel like. If they feel like they're a male or if they feel like they're a female. My God, let me tell you something, saints of God. We're living in a day when Satan's having a field day and a heyday. It's a dark, dark day and a dark, dark hour and wickedness is spread over this nation. It's a dark time. We're at the end of the sixth day. We're at the end of the sixth day and Jesus Christ is getting ready to come and take us by the hand and lead us up on top of the mountain. We're getting out of here for long. Woo! Oh, help me, Jesus. I knew I couldn't stay still for long. That seventh day is about to dawn. And there's coming a day when the desert will blossom as a rose. There's coming a day when the lamb and the wolf will lie down together and the lion, the Bible says, will eat straw like an ox. And that's how come I know we're not in the millennium now. Take a little lamb and put it with a lion. See if they lie down together. That, that lion's going to have some lamb chops. <laughs> We're not in the millennium, but that day's coming. Amen? Where even the wildest of animals will be domesticated, and that will be in the coming millennium. A day's coming when the earth shall be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The day when the Lord Jesus Christ will rule and reign here on this earth and His kingdom will come and His will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I get an amen? amen. That day is coming. But before that second coming and that setting up of the kingdom of God, there's some things that have to take place before that. One of them, and I believe that the very next event that is to take place prophetically is the rapture of the church, the coming of the Lord for His church. And I know people, you know, you know how we, we believe, I believe in a pre, uh, I'm premillennial and uh, pre-tribulational. I believe in a pre-trib rapture, that the Lord's coming to rapture the saints, 
to take the church out before the beginning of the tribulation. We got people today that are worried about or wondering or concerned about, wonder who the Antichrist is going to be. And, you know, they're always, always, always somebody coming up, well, this one's the Antichrist or that one's the Antichrist. Here a while back, you know, we had a, somebody had a Facebook thing about or a, a YouTube video about, you know, some, some were proclaiming different things about Trump was the Antichrist. Listen, they've done that with Henry Kissinger. They've done it with Barack Obama. They've done it with so many different ones. Everybody's, they did it with Adolf Hitler. They did it with Joseph Stalin, trying to pinpoint who the Antichrist. Listen, I don't care because I'm not going to be here when the Antichrist shows up because I'm not going to be here. The church isn't going to be here when the Antichrist makes his, makes his debut. There's one, there's, one, there's one entity, there's something that's holding back the spirit of lawlessness and preventing the Antichrist from making his debut, and that is the church. And Paul said that when the church is taken out of the way, he that, he, he that restrains will restrain till he be taken out of the way, then the wicked one will be revealed. So the church is holding back the coming of the lawless one, the coming of the Antichrist. But the next prophetic event to take place is the sounding of the trumpet and the coming of the Lord for His church. And we have to understand and we have to differentiate, differentiate and, and rightly divide the word of truth that the second coming of Christ and the rapture are two separate, distinct events. They're, they're totally different. The second, and a lot of people will try to take the scriptures about the second coming and put everything together and say that there's just that coming, but before Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom on this earth, before that, at least seven years before that, he's coming to take his church out of this earth in the rapture of the church. Amen? Are you following me? Praise God. And that's the next event that's going to take place. There's no prophecy that has to be fulfilled. There's no signs. The rapture of the church is a signless event. There are no signs that will point to the rapture. But there are signs that let us know that we're in the last days before that, that are just coming up right before the second coming of the Lord. And we know if we're close to the second coming, we're seven years closer to the rapture. I wish I could get the church excited about the coming of the Lord. But Jesus takes with him Peter James and John and leads them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, it said in verse 2. Now, notice there was a separation. Everybody that he was talking to there that day didn't go up on the mountain with him, but there was a separation. And there will be a division and a separation when the rapture takes place as to who is ready and who is watching and who is not ready and who will be taken up and who will be left behind. Can I tell you something this morning, saints of God at Abundant Life? Can I tell you something? Everybody that goes to church 
is not going to hear the trumpet and go in the rapture. Everybody that says that they love Jesus is not going in the rapture. Everybody that professes, I've got to say this this morning, everybody that professes to be a Christian is not going in the rapture and is not going to necessarily even make heaven their home. I know that that comes a shock in this culture we're living in today because in the culture today, everybody's a Christian. No matter how they live, no matter what their lifestyle, they can commit adultery, fornication, they can be involved in all kinds of, of sinful activity, but yet, I love God, I'm a Christian. And I, I hate to be the bearer of, of, of bad news or bust anybody's bubble this morning, but if you are a true born-again Christian, your lifestyle changes and you don't live in sin anymore. There's going to be a distinct separation that's going to take place. And here Peter, James, and John are chosen to go up into the mountain with Jesus. Now... It didn't, that didn't mean, somebody said, well, you know, and, and this is not the, the only time that we see Peter, James, and John called aside. They were taken with Jesus in, they were the only three that were allowed to go in when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. These three here were the ones in the Garden of Gethsemane a little later that were allowed to go into the garden with Jesus when he prayed and when he sought the Lord. And uh, so here they are now. These three are chosen to go up into the mountain with Jesus to behold His glory, to get a glimpse of His glory. It wasn't that Jesus loved these three any more than He loved anybody else. It wasn't that they were His favorites because God has no favorites. Are you listening to me? There's no respecter of person with the Lord. He has no favorites. Listen, He loves you just as much as He loves me. He loves me just as much as... You know, and let me just tell you this. He loves you. God loves you just as much as He loves Jesus. Jesus even said that. But He has no favorites. And He doesn't love one more than He loves the other. But there there are no favorites, but there are some intimates. And there are people that are more intimate with the Lord than others are. There are those in this service this morning that are closer to Jesus than others are. Would you agree with that? Everybody's not at the same spiritual level or closeness in relationship. And can I tell you that this, 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 this group here, Peter, James, and John, they were, they were the inner circle of the Lord. They were close. It was John who, who, who laid his head upon the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper, who heard the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus Christ, who felt his breath upon his cheek. That's how close he was to the Lord. Oh, listen, I don't know about anybody else, but I desire an intimacy with Jesus. Does anybody, is anybody with me? I want to be close. See, we're living in a time that it's crept into the church that people want to, they, they want to see how far away they can live from Jesus, how little they have to do to still make heaven. And that, listen, that should not be even a thought in our mind. It shouldn't be how, how, how far can I live or what 
How close? Let me change it. Put it this way. How close can I live to the world and still make it to heaven? Listen, if that's your attitude, you need to get saved. You need to get saved because if you're truly saved, your desire and attitude is going to be, how close can I live to Jesus? I've got to get closer to Jesus. I've got to have more of Jesus in my life. Amen. I want to be intimate with him. And you today, you, listen, you all, we, everyone here, you're as close to the Lord as you want to be. And there's some, I'm afraid, that one time were close, but you've drifted away and you're not close to Him today. There's no intimacy with Him. You think about Him just every once in a while. You come to church every so often. That's a signal, that's a sign. You don't have to come to every service to be saved. No, that's true. But what it does show is when you miss church repeatedly and repeatedly, there's something lacking in your heart. There's something lacking that, that, that you're not where you need to be with Jesus or where you want time were with Jesus. I may preach to myself tonight, but I'm going to give you what the Lord gives to me. Those three disciples go with him up to the mountaintop. And he brings them up to the mountain to reveal to them his glory. There's coming a time, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus is going to come and come back to rapture his saints and he's going to snatch us up and lift, up, lift us up out of the grip of this world. And he's going to reveal to us his glory, and we will see Him as He is. And He'll reveal to us His glory just as He did to these three men on that mountain of transfiguration that day. And as they were there, the Bible said that Jesus was transfigured before them. And that word transfigured is the word, is the Greek word metamorpho, or we get our English word metamorphosis which refers to something that changes forms. It's like a caterpillar um, being turned into a butterfly. But there was a change of form, the face of Jesus, the garments of Jesus. He began, it was, it was just a bright light. He began to glow, so to speak. But Jesus began to manifest His glory there on that Mount of Transfiguration. He had concealed the glory of His deity for... Um, in this human body for 33, nearly 33 and a half years. But on this occasion, the glory that is on the inside of Christ that had been veiled by this human flesh now bursts forth on the outside. And all of a sudden, His clothes become brighter than the freshly fallen snow. His clothes and His countenance become wider. It's said that any launderer, any fuller or launderer could have cleaned them. And there, there's no bleach, there's no detergent anywhere in the world that could get any garment any whiter or as white as what the white that they saw in Jesus when He began to manifest His glory that day. 
the dark mountain where they were there with Jesus. Night had fallen by now. They went up during the day, but now night had fallen. It was dark on Mount Hermon, but the darkness of the mountain was instantly illuminated with the glory of God. If you were down um, at the foot of that mountain and looked up, you would have been able to see a bright light manifesting the glory of God in that mountain. And so these three men were, were given a glimpse of the glory of God, a glimpse of the glory, the future glory of Jesus that all of God's children are going to get get to see at his second coming. Amen. The Bible says that we will be like him when he shall appear we will be like him for we will see him as he is let me tell you something saints of God when Jesus comes in his glory our physical body is going to take on the supernatural body and we're going to have a body just like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ this vile body Paul said in Philippians 3 this vile body will be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Can I get an amen? Oh, hallelujah, resurrection, glorified body. Hallelujah, that's what we've got to look forward to. There appeared to them two men speaking with Jesus. One was Moses, And the other one was Elijah. And they appeared there talking to Jesus. Now these two men represent two different groups of people that will be involved in the coming of the Lord of the rapture of the church. These two men, as we know, represent, Moses represents the law, Elijah represents the prophets. So it's a representation of the Old Testament, but there's something else that these men represent as well. Because if you know anything about the Bible, you know that Moses had died some 1,700 years earlier. Isn't that right? The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 34 that Moses died in the land of Moab. And what happened? What happened to Moses? To his body. God buried him, didn't he? And nobody knew where the body of Moses was buried. He died there. He went up to the, to the top of the, of, of the mountain there, and he died, and God took him to heaven, and God buried his body. A guy told my dad one time, said, well, he was talking about this instance in the uh, transfiguration. He said, well, you know, Moses never died. He never actually died. And my dad said, well, if he didn't, then God buried him alive. Because God buried him, it said. So Moses, was a, was, he was one who died and was buried. But what about Elijah? What about Elijah? Elijah never died, did he? Elijah, um, Elijah was, was taken up alive into heaven. In other words, Elijah was raptured, so to speak. Elijah is a type of the rapture, so to speak. Amen? And, uh, it, you know, we, we find that in 2 Kings chapter 2, that a chariot and horses of fire and a whirlwind came down and picked up Elijah and took him to heaven alive. And so at this particular time, 
at this particular time, when he appears on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Moses and Elijah appear there together, Moses has been dead for 1,700 years, and Elijah has been in heaven in his natural body for 1,000 years. And here they both are, are, they show up talking to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses died and was buried, Elijah taken up alive. And here they are both with Jesus on the Mount. And see, their types and representations, this is what's going to happen at the rapture of the church. Are you listening to me? This is what's going to take place when Jesus comes back for his people, for his church. At the first resurrection. And I know there's those that say, well, the rapture is not mentioned in the Bible, but the rapture and the resurrection are one in the same. That, that, they, I mean, that, that's just another way of talking about the resurrection when we talk about the rapture, because at the rapture, there's going to be a resurrection. Moses is a type of those saints of God who have died, who have been buried. Amen. Their spirits have gone to be with the Lord. Let me tell you something. When a Christian dies, their spirit and soul doesn't go into that grave. They go to be with Jesus. Only the body sleeps at death. But those who have died in the Lord at the rapture are going to be resurrected. Can I get an amen? Paul, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment and in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Here you see the Moses crowd, the dead shall be raised, and here you also see the Elijah crowd, and we shall be changed. Just like Moses and Elijah, regardless of how you leave this world, if you know the Lord, you will appear with Him in glory someday. Can I get an amen? We've got loved ones. We've got family members that have passed on and died. And we've attended their funerals. And I've done a lot of funerals in my life and stood by a lot of gravesides and made that committal service as we commit those bodies to the, to the ground. But oh, can I tell you something? That when that trumpet sounds, all of the dead in Christ, Paul said that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ, those who have died in the Lord, they shall be resurrected. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And that's not all. But then in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we who are alive and remain shall be changed and caught up together to meet the Lord in the clouds. And so shall we we ever be with the Lord. Can I tell you something today? Abundant Life Family Church, that event is getting ready to happen very, very soon. We're on the brink of the coming of the Lord when we will see Him as He is and see Him in His glory. Hallelujah. We will be reunited with those loved ones and family members that have already gone on ahead of us. I've always said that I'd like to be 
at the cemetery when the rapture takes place. Amen? I'd like to be there to see those graves burst open. Somebody, I guess we all got different thoughts and ideas, but somebody said they didn't believe that the graves would literally open, but the peop- that the body would just, you know, it's a resurrected body. Jesus' resurrected body walked through walls. They said the body would just come from through the ground. You wouldn't know anything had happened. I believe, you can disagree with me if you want to, but I believe this world is going to know that the Lord has come. And those graveyards are going to, those graves will be burst asunder. And those caskets and those, those vaults, grave vaults will be burst open. And those graves all over this nation and all over the world from the, from the time of Abel, the death of Abel, the first righteous one, until the last person who dies before the rapture of the church, that every grave will burst asunder and they'll come out of those graves with that resurrected body. And we, the Elijah, I I hope I'm alive. I'm planning on being alive. If I believe we're that close to it and we will be caught up with them. What a reunion day that is gonna be when we're caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Hallelujah. And see our glorified Lord. Amen. That's what Jesus was showing them and showing us here on the Mount of Transfiguration. He had given them a heavy word and told them he was going to die, but he was letting them know that if you do take up your cross and you do follow me and you do go through the sufferings of this life and you do remain faithful, that this is what you're going to wind up seeing. The glory of the Lord will be revealed to you and be revealed in your life. Amen. Stand with me today. Worship team, come on back. Praise God. Peter got excited. Peter got all excited. He didn't know what to say. The Bible said that they were all very afraid. Peter said, it's good to be here. Well, he didn't know what to say. Well, it was good to be. That's probably an understatement. He said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. He said, let's, let's start a building program. That's what he wanted to do. We're going into a building program. Let's build three tabernacles. One for you, Jesus, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. He didn't know what he was saying. He, here he is. He stuck his foot in his mouth again, Peter has. He was good at that. And we don't know exactly what he meant about when he said that. But we do know that the idea of him saying, let's build three tabernacles and one for Moses, one for Jesus, and one for Elijah, that that was not pleasing to the Lord. Because all of a sudden, the Shekinah glory cloud came down and overshadowed all of them. They were engulfed in this cloud. And out of that cloud boomed the voice of Almighty God. And said this, I wish I could, I wish my throat wasn't messed up, I could do my God voice. But 
This is my beloved son. I wish I had that all steak guy here. Amen. This is my beloved son. Hear him. And then the cloud lifted and the scripture says this. The scripture says that there was after that cloud lifted that Moses and Elijah were gone. And there stood Jesus only. And God was making a statement here. And God was saying to them that day, He was letting them know that all of the Old Testament law, the prophets were fulfilled in Jesus. But He was letting them know also that, that this Jesus was the end of the law. It was the end of of the old covenant. And there was a brand new, better covenant that was being brought into, into, into play here with the Lord Jesus Christ. And God declares here the supremacy of Jesus over the law the supremacy of Jesus over the prophets, and God is not going to tolerate Peter or anybody else placing Jesus on the same level with Moses or even the great prophet Elijah. And God is saying here, Jesus is superior. Jesus is superior. He is the one and only. Hallelujah. They saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. Moses and Elijah have disappeared and Jesus stands there alone and God is emphasizing the fact that Jesus was enough and that Jesus is enough and that Jesus is all that we need today. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. While it was exciting to see Moses and Elijah, but if they had Jesus, Jesus was all they needed. I said, Jesus was all they needed. Can I tell you something this morning? If you want to know what it's all about, if you want to know what God is up to, if you want the answer to all of life's problems, if you want victory in your life over sin, if you want healing in your body, if you want the assurance of a home in heaven, then get your Bible and circle those two words words. It's Jesus only. It all comes through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Nothing can take the place of Jesus. Nothing can take the place of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you today. Thank you so much that Jesus has fulfilled the work of redemption. And He's all we need today. And our faith rests in His finished work and His finished work alone. Not in our merits, not in our abilities, but in what Jesus has done for us. It's Jesus and Him alone. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved. He's fulfilled it all. And Lord, we place our faith in Him today. Jesus, we look to You for everything we need, for every need in our life. Hallelujah. Touch our hearts right now. Touch our lives, God. Do a work in this congregation. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's sing something today. Here.